good afternoon, everyone. Uh, this is your captain speaking. Uh, we're just about ready for takeoff now, so, uh... Shit, everybody move now. Go, go, go. Inside, everybody inside. To the stairs, quickly. Everyone head to the roof. The helicopter's waiting there. Go, go. No, no. No, you're lying. That, that's what demons do. They lie to cause men of God to doubt. I'm not telling any lies now, Father. I can feel it in your soul that you know what I say is true. There's so much blood everywhere. Where be the rest of them? I... I can't tell. What is doing this, Mr. Simon? That couldn't have been done by no man, I swear it. I don't know. I don't know. From the minds of true crime guys comes Sandu Stories. Our brand new channel devoted to our previously Patreon-exclusive content, where we'll be bringing you our own version of true crime what-ifs and other audio dramas, one season at a time. Join us wherever you get your podcast on February 7th. Now, let's get strange. I can feel your fear growing and your faith dwindling. It's an intoxicating feeling. podcast i'm lauren and i'm michael all right we're back this week we have an international woman of mystery yes and uh, another woman kinda killer like, kind of like catch me if you can except she was more evil and actually killed people yes a lot more evil she took a lot more liberties and it was uh later too you know catch me if you can took place in what the 60s late 60s early 70s yeah um a little this- bit easier to, to to be anonymous but she was doing True. this in through the 90s yeah, she was. She became known as the world's most wanted woman in the late '90s and early 2000s. Pretty, pretty impressive. Very elusive. Um, mm-hmm. Loved to steal people's identities and then murder them potentially. Right. Um, and had had a lot of tri- uh, tricks in her bag as far as getting you to hand over your information. Yes, she did. She did. She, Using she things must like have... numerology and pretty right. fascinating. She must have been quite convincing, very charismatic, very charming. Mm-hmm. Because I don't understand how you would just trust somebody. So early on, um, with important Imagine information. meeting someone and within an hour you're handing over your social security number, your passport. She was managing to do that somehow. Right. Well, a different time. A different time, yeah. to be fair. Um, people weren't as, they weren't as weary of these types of things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's do it. You tend to be whoever's in close proximity. Your identity consumed in false reality. You follow close in the dark, you're just a shadow. Lost your soul long ago, no substance, you're so shallow. Chameleon, chameleon, you can be anyone. Chameleon, 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 we can see your colors run. Chameleon, chameleon, you can be anyone. 
hide anymore Your black heart bleeding on the floor We know what's really yours, we see the truth You'll slowly fade away All the stolen pride and stolen names And wasted times on stupid games Searching for proof Chameleon, chameleon back down to florida this week um right. at least that's where this case is centered we're also going to go all over the world because this as we mentioned this woman was an international woman of mystery she she definitely traveled that's right i mean most successful con men and and women you have to do some traveling or you're not going to get away with this you can't just you can't pull all your all your stunts in one city in one state right. even. yeah you know you gotta you gotta move around which she was very good at mm-hmm. on other people's dimes and other people's uh oh, of course identities really of course. You can almost argue she wasn't traveling. Oh, <laughs> I see what you're saying. <laughs> see? The identity these... she stole was traveling. Yeah, all over the place. All yeah. over the place. Pretty incredible, honestly. The the length and the time of her reign here as a con mm-hmm. person is pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. Pretty impressive, but so, she was an awful person. Don't get it don't no get doubt. it twisted. Don't get it twisted. This woman would go to any extent to uh save her own skin. And to make sure that her scheme succeeded, yeah. So a little we, bit we different. See that than Frank this, now. We see that with this uh, this first example. So we'll go to early July of 1990, uh, where we meet 34 year old Beverly McGowan. She was a bank clerk, and she was looking for a roommate. She took out an ad in the local newspaper looking for a roommate. That would be the South Florida Sun Sentinel newspaper. Her ad read. Pompano Beach condo, share two bed, two bath condo, female 34 plus two cats, $290, $290 plus uh, half utilities. Mm. So she's looking for a, uh, you know, a, a potential roommate and she's going to be interviewing candidates. Um, right. And over the coming weeks, she would interview several people who responded to the ads. And uh, through those interviews, one candidate really stood out. And this would be a woman named Alice who spoke with a British accent. Mm. Um, this Alice person was about 10 years older than Beverly and had all the signs of a successful career woman. She dressed well, she drove a nice car and seemed responsible. Right. Um, and her reason for being in Florida with this British accent was that she said she had worked for IBM back in England and said that she'd been transferred to Fort Lauderdale and needed a place to live. So everything was checking out as far yeah, as this person was kind of a perfect candidate. Yeah. A woman, obviously probably more comfortable being a single woman herself to bring in a woman as opposed to a man of to live with. Of um, course, that's understandable. And also she's very successful. She's she was uh, you know, ten years older than her. Mm-hmm. So she's a little more established, a little more respectable. Yep. Yeah, that's the type of person you would want as a roommate, theoretically. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And her dressing well, having a nice car, having a, a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not gonna have to worry about the rent being made each month. That's right. another concern. Yep. Yeah, she's got it covered. And to couple all that, she also just completely hit it off with Beverly right away. Um, They shared common interests such as new age philosophy, 
which I, I looked up the definition of. It's a way of thinking that emphasizes positivity, spirituality, and personal growth. It's mm. based on the belief that we are all connected to each other and the universe and that we should we can tap into this energy to create positive change in our lives. Sounds pretty great. Yeah, that sounds fine. That sounds good. I mean, how long yeah. can you call this new age, though? I mean, this was, what, 30 years ago. I wonder how yeah. long you can actually call it new age philosophy. <laughs> right. Seems like new age philosophies be negative as possible. Uh, tweet negative shit at people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> me versus you all the fucking time. That's that's our new age philosophy in this country, at least. Right. <laughs> There's a new new age philosophy. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, so of course, Alice would be the winning candidate. She would be chosen, uh, as the person to, you know, share a home with Beverly here. Right. Um, and also interesting, one way that she also kind of helped seal the deal was they got into some numerology, which is also fascinating. Um, she would predict the future for, uh, for, uh, Beverly here and right. telling her that she would be wealthy and meet a man that she would marry by the time she was 40. Yeah, she just needed a few small little personal details. No big yeah, deal. We'll get into that later. She, she needed a few things to really get an accurate depiction right. of her future. Of I mean, if you want it to be accurate. Exactly. Right. You're yeah. really going to have to forfeit some information. Yeah. And the this prediction of her future being bright would uh, quickly be proven false when in the days following picking uh, Alice as a candidate, Beverly would go missing. Um, she would not be seen or heard from, from her family and even from the bank that she worked for, which was obviously out of character for her. And Absolutely. on July 20th, 1990, three days after she'd last been seen, Beverly's sister reported her missing to police. And that same day, she became even more concerned when she received a bizarre letter in the mail. Um, so Beverly's mm -hmm. sister receives this letter, supposedly written by Beverly, but it was postmarked from Miami. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, the letter claimed that she was unhappy with her life and had decided to make a change very very much out of nowhere um, she claimed that yeah. she had quit her job sold her condo and was planning to travel for a while mm -hmm. um very out of also character. her sister was not the only one to receive this letters just like this were sent to more of beverly's friends and family members the bank she worked for received a letter supposedly uh, from her designated her designating her resignation from her job at the bank Jeez. Yeah. Also, so her, tying up also, loose ends here. Yeah. Also, her mortgage company received a letter instructing them to foreclose on her condo and dispose of any of her personal belongings that had been left in it. Who does that? Who writes a letter to their mortgage company? I don't and know. Ask, and ask for uh, them to foreclose. It's like you just leave or you just stop paying. I mean, you have months. True. You know, before they're going to do anything. You probably got two or three months minimum before they're yeah, even going to act. Yeah, foreclosure is not like a good thing. I mean... Like, right, why, why would, would it, <laughs> why, what benefit would there be? I guess that, maybe the only thing I could think of is like, just so no squatters come in and just take over. I don't know. But why do you care? You're, you're let, you're dipping out on the property anyways. Yeah. I don't know. You know, if you can't pay it, you're unhappy where you're at. It's just writing the letter to the, to the bank is just the weirdest part of all this. I understand the letter to the family members, even to the job. Yeah. But writing a letter to the bank that owns the property. To the mortgage seems, company. Yeah. Yeah. That just seems weird. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the family members and friends are thinking this is very odd behavior from, uh, Beverly, but at the same time, the handwriting did seem to match her handwriting. Mm. And so an initial search of her condo turned up nothing out of the ordinary as well. Police then discovered that her phone had been disconnected and her identifying documents such as birth certificates and passports were missing. 
Mm, now this is bizarre, but at play. the same time, sometimes people have a mental breakdown or they just have like a moment where they're like, I, I just, I've had it with this lifestyle. I'm done. And, some and that's people true. Do and just run off. And she didn't have a family. She was leaving behind, like as far as like, you know, kids or anything like that. So. Right. Right. And I mean, she's in her thirties too. I mean, she's an adult. Yeah. She has every right to, to make this decision. And also yeah. if someone is going to disappear and leave, they are going to take all their personal documents. I mean, that makes yeah. perfect sense. Exactly. Honestly, it would yeah. almost be more concerning, right? If they were left. Cause like, exactly. then where did she go? Exactly. Yeah, if she took her passport. That's actually like, eh, maybe she did run off. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. it, it kind of, it kind of makes sense. And the handwriting yeah. was damn close to hers too. Mm -hmm. So, well, it kind of made sense until uh, a body was found. So on July right. 19th, 1990, uh, you might've noticed that we said she was reported missing on, missing on July 20th. So this is a day before a body was found, but they hadn't connected it to Beverly yet. Mm -hmm. On July 19th, 1990, female remains were found by a construction worker in rural Cana in a rural canal in St. Lucie County, uh, Florida. And this was a construction worker who was out looking in a canal for bass fishing bait. So looking for, I don't know, crawdads or whatever he was looking for. Right. Um, and he found a, a woman's remains. The woman had been mutilated by removing a tattoo on her stomach. So a section of skin had been cut off of her torso. Her head had right. been decapitated. Uh, so her head had been removed. Her hands had been severed to hinder the identification process. However, the killer had overlooked another small tattoo, a small yellow flower on her ankle. And this, along with uh, some teeth that were left from the decapitation, were enough to positively identify the woman as Beverly McGowan. So Beverly, these letters, clearly, um, they were deceptive. You know, she was not starting a new life. She was, in fact, murdered. Yes. And so now the police are looking for someone who wrote these letters and also who obviously did this horrendous murder. Yeah, um, I mean, horrendous, but also necessary if you're trying to get away with this you know what i mean it's like you can see why the killer went to this extent as trying to buy themselves more time to get away to, by you know making it hard to identify the body right but they also don't look want, like trying to make it, it look like beverly's still on the run potentially like this could exactly. be some other woman exactly you don't if this body mm -hmm. becomes identified as the person that you're posing as that's a big problem yeah so they're they went to a pretty pretty crazy extent to not have her identified but how do you leave teeth that's kind of yeah that's kind of crazy i understand missing the tattoo i understand right. that but yeah. like i mean obviously you didn't decapitate her at the neck which is strange right mm. in my opinion i don't know or maybe she yeah. decapitated her at the site and some teeth were left i don't yeah. know I think it That's was like strange. maybe molars or something in the back. Like she, she maybe she knocked out all the front teeth, but uh, yeah. they left some in the in the rear. I think it was like near the jaw connection where there was some teeth. And left. those are the teeth that they most likely identify people with those yeah. molars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're not going to identify you by your two front teeth more often than not. It's going to be yeah the back sections. Back I think. Yep. Yeah. Um, so knife wounds to the throat were deemed to be the the cause of death. So pretty mm. brutal murder. Um, yes. around the time around the, go ahead. You're going to say something. I was just going to say, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy that there was no evidence found. Um, yeah. Oh, especially where a was bloody the, yeah, murder. you have to wonder where was the murder? Where did it take place? Right. It couldn't have been in the condo. Right. There would no. have been blood everywhere. Yeah. There's no way. There's it no had way. to have taken place at a second location. Yeah. Or maybe even here in the, in the wilderness yeah. somewhere. Maybe yeah. she finished her off here. You don't know. We could have, you have to, her and took her out. You here. have to assume she forced her to write those letters first. Right. Cause how else would the handwriting been so similar? I don't know. Oh, and then I mean, again, I, maybe she was just an expert at recreating handwriting because that's what she did so often. I was going to say, if you're a con man, I mean, that should be one of the main skills you practice. 
Yeah. I mean, no disguising doubt. yourself and then disguising your handwriting. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be that would be top of the list. And yeah. this person, we we later find out this person uh, is somewhat artistic as well. So most of the time, people who can who can draw well and paint well or whatnot, they have really good penmanship, and they're probably able to copy other people's with with good samples. And this was the '90s where people wrote shit down a lot. Yeah, you know what I mean. No <laughs> so there was a lot more handwriting samples all over the place, I'm sure, for her to copy. Yeah. yeah. So around the time that the body was identified as Beverly, police found her car at a motel near the Miami International Airport. The vehicle had been there for at least five days by the time it was recovered. And inside the car was found some wig fibers, uh, mm-hmm. leading you to believe that this person was you know, hiding their identity right. as they suspected. $795 out of the $800 in Beverly's bank account had been withdrawn and her credit cards had been used on a shopping spree at the Avent- Aventura Mall, 20 miles north of Miami. So That's of course, bold, police, right? Yeah. So of course, police go to the mall and begin uh, talking to people who worked in the stores where the credit card was used. And these employees described the shopper as an attractive, well-dressed blonde woman. Now you have those wig fibers in the car, so you have to wonder... Mm-hmm. Was that her hair or was that a wig? What was going on right. with that? You know, she wasn't just walking around in her normal her normal look using these credit cards of a woman she just murdered. She had to have been doing some disguising of her, you would at least think. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, credit card records also showed that Beverly's card had been used to purchase a ticket for British Airlines Flight 292, which departed on July 22nd. The ticket had been purchased from a travel agency called the Thunderbird Travel in New, in New Miami Beach. And the travel agent surprisingly described the person that purchased the ticket as a man dressed in women's clothing and a dark colored wig. Now this is confusing. <laughs> yeah, now it's just getting fucking wacky. <laughs> it is. But either way, if you knew this ticket was purchased using the credit card, wouldn't you have some people, some officers waiting at the destination to check the people coming off the plane? Yeah, you would think it. You know, this is a purchase for a, a rental car, uh, an yeah. Avis rental car. But I think it was too late at that point. I mean, it already the car had already been gotten. Yeah. So then okay. they, they had, all they could do was talk to people in uh, England. You know, at that Avis over the phone or whatever. Right. I don't know the exact time frame, but obviously they were a little bit behind proceedings here. Yeah. She, you know, she was still a couple steps ahead of the police here at this point, mm-hmm. obviously, because it seems yeah. like if you knew this information, like if you saw that the credit card had been hit, right, and she's on the plane, I just feel like that's, she's dead in the water, right? Whoever it is. No, at very they, least, they were days late. She'd man. already flown. She'd already flown over there. They were days late. Okay. She already picked up the travel. She did try to use the credit card, uh-huh. one of the stolen credit cards to uh, pay for the rental car over there. And that shot. had already been reported stolen at this time. Nice. Um, but uh, so the the person had paid for the rental car with cash at that point. Okay. Yeah. Which you can't um, even do that anymore. <laughs> right. For good reason. Yeah, you have to have a card on file, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For good reason. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. You could rent a car with cash back then. You could just leave. Especially after <laughs> a card was declined and it comes back stolen. It's like, oh, right. Well, you got cash. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sure. We'll take it. Obviously you're a trustworthy person. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, this person was very charismatic. Yeah. They played so, the part well. Two police sketches would be made at this point. One of a blonde-haired woman that they'd gotten a description from the mall workers, and the other of a man wearing dark, wearing glasses and a dark-colored wig that they had gotten from the travel agency. 
Um, and okay. at this point, police suspected they might have uh, an idea of who this was um, because of the timing of this situation. A 31-year-old woman named Laurencia Ann Bambi Bombanek, Bembanek, was a young former police officer who had murdered her ex or her husband's ex-wife and had escaped from a Wisconsin prison only two days before Beverly went missing. Mm. So yeah, you had this woman who's a known murderer who had just escaped from Wisconsin prison only two days prior to this event of Beverly going missing and yeah. her identity being stolen and all of this. And it just so happened she had been on the lam with a man who helped her escape prison, a man named Dominic Gugoletti, who was now her fiance. He helped her escape from prison. He was the waiting outside the prison in a car when she she escaped out a window somewhere in the prison. I forget what the details were, but she, we could almost yeah. do an episode on her. She has a whole Wikipedia page as well. This oh, Bambi wow. Bembanek is an interesting yeah. character. If we're just going to go on a spree every week of doing female killers, might as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We could get her in there as well. And this yeah. would also explain the quote-unquote man that yes. bought the plane ticket, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the cops were, you know, they weren't crazy to be following up on these two. Yeah. By any means. The, the only problem is by October, the theory came apart because the two of them were found up in Ontario, uh, Canada. And right. their whereabouts during the time of this disappearance and like plane ticket being purchased and all of that just did not line up with where they were at the time. Right. So they were ruled out as potential suspects in Beverly's disappearance. At this point, police were sure that whoever this mysterious Alice person was had something to do with Beverly's murder. So the, the you know they had talked to Beverly's family and friends and heard about this person that she was smitten with that she had chosen as her her new roommate, right? And heard all about the you know the interview, the numerology, all of that, and they had learned that Beverly had given this woman some personal information like passport number, driver's license number, potentially social security number. And all of a sudden she goes missing and is found murdered. So they clearly, and also this, uh, this Alice person was the only person of the only one of the candidates that didn't give her last name to Beverly, did not give a phone number to Beverly. She's going to be coming to live with you and she won't even give that, you her last name or phone number. Know, and she wants crazy? all of your personal info. I was about to say, and then you in turn trust her with all of your personal information. It's mm -hmm. like when you are the property owner, it's like you, you have the upper hand. This person yeah. who wants to come live in your house mm -hmm. needs to be given up information. Like that's a red flag right away. They yeah. don't want to give up any information, but they want your social security number. <laughs> yeah. Like no thanks. Yep. Um, yeah, and so when police started looking into the, you know, what they had heard about this Alice person, they found no record of a woman being transferred to Florida from an IBM in England, which she claimed she had mm -hmm. been. Right. Um, and Alice was the only roommate, as we mentioned, that hadn't provided a last name or anything like, oh, there's a lot of red flags popping up. Oh yeah. Um, no Alice registered for a flight 292 for London, but someone had picked up the rental car at the airport, as we mentioned, tried to use the credit card, came up stolen, and they paid for cash. Oddly, no one at that Avis in England could agree on what the person that picked up the car looked like. They all were arguing about, you know, what this he or she person picked up the car looked like. Right. That's so that hilarious. wasn't helpful. No, not at all. Yeah. That, not at all. But I um, guess obviously they didn't have security cameras either. This would right. have really helped, right? Yeah, and I, I imagine how many people you see in a car rental place at a, you know a big a big country like London or a big city like London where oh people are God, flying right. in from all over the world. You're seeing so many different faces every day. Into yeah. I don't know. I guess the the credit card being denied and the cash pay, payment might have kind of like helped you to remember this person a little bit more. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't. 
Probably not. Like I said, I mean, if, if it wasn't illegal to pay in cash, then I'm sure plenty of people did. Yeah. I mean, because you know how people treat rental cars <laughs> like shits. <laughs> yeah. No typically, doubt. so they don't want they don't want to get charged anymore. So, like, if paying for yeah. cash, paying with cash was an option, I would definitely do that. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, in November of 1991, over the over a year after the murder, Unsolved Mysteries ran a 12 minute segment on the case. Um, at which point it came to light that during the interview that Alice had done with, you know, Alice, this Alice person had done two numerology tests on Beverly. The second mm -hmm. involved Beverly handing over several pieces of personal information, including her passport number, driver's license number, social security number. She did so reluctantly. And as we mentioned earlier, this Alice person must have been very persuasive and charismatic in I order guess. to, in one sitting, get someone to hand over all this information without giving up any of her own personal information to them. Right. And there might have also been a little bit more willingness on Beverly's part because of, you know, maybe her age and her position in life. You know, she was in like her mid 30s. I think she was 34, 33, yeah. 34, um, still single, still living alone. I mean, at that point, you may you may be very curious as to where your life is going to go. And if someone can give a hint, you know, yeah. uh, especially to to something like this, you may be a little more willing to fall for something. And especially if you've already agreed that you're going to be roommates, because it's yeah. like, well, this person's not going to do me wrong. We're going to be living together. Like, why yeah. would she, why would she do me wrong in this aspect? I'm, I know it's her, Yeah, you know, but still, still it's crazy to think that you give away passport, driver's license and social security number upon meeting someone just seems absurd. Yeah. yeah. And this Bring was not the first person who had done this. I mean, I know this. Yeah, this Alice person had gotten several other uh, people to do the same thing. Yeah, so. it's crazy. So, although the unsolved mystery segment produced over 500 tips within 24 hours of its airing, none of them would pan out, and the case would remain unsolved, unsolved for over another five years before they would get a solid lead. So, in December of 1996, police announced that they had finally unmasked the identity of the mysterious Alice. And this would be 51-year-old Elaine Parent. This would mm. be her real name, which was not something easily acquired. Well, um, we think it's her real name. There was yeah, we really think no so. documentation true. found for yeah, this. Yeah, we don't either. have a birth certificate or anything like that for this person. No. But yeah. So this... That's well, maybe we'll we just think. call that this was her main alias. Let's just say that. Her, if, or, <laughs> her oldest alias, probably. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty interesting how police connected... Uh, you know, found a connection from this Alice to Elaine parents. And it was through a pad of stationary paper that was used to write the letters to Beverly's friends and family. So this was a pad of paper that was in this suspect's home that had, mm -hmm. she had been using for many of her scams, many of her letters right. to send people. And there was imprints left, you know, when you press down and write things, right. you leave a trace and they were able to connect a couple of different aliases and they were able to connect uh, one of one of the pads writings to uh, one of the people that she stole an identity from and mm -hmm. go meet with her. Um, and so we'll get into more of that in a minute, but let's go into Elaine Parent, who we think is the actual birth name of this uh, psychopathic killer slash, yeah, you know, identity theft. Yeah, this chameleon. Yeah, you know, the chameleon, chameleon killer, the name of this That's episode. Right. She was born August 4th, 1942, and shares a birthday with Barack Obama, Louis Armstrong, and Billy Bob Thornton. Wow, what a crew there. That's an awesome group. Yeah, it is. Seriously. 
Um, she later became known as the most, the world's most wanted woman in the late nineties and two thousands, mm -hmm. but relatively little is known about the real Elaine Antoinette parents. Those who knew her and in some cases lived with her described her as uh, various, described her variously as beautiful, intelligent, charming, and bisexual, but also speak of her flip side, which was aggressive, prone to violent mood swings and threatening. Mm -hmm. um, she was allegedly the only child of an American father and a French Canadian mother. She grew up in the Bronx in New York, and by her 30th birthday, she was in Florida and three years later acquired for her first conviction of shoplifting. For most <laughs> of her adult life, however, she was a shapeshifter, and it's just hard to track where she was, what she was doing. She was stealing identities, going by different aliases. Yeah. Some of her 20 identities were stolen from women she met and seduced but did not kill. Some were entirely invented, and some could not be traced by detectives at all. And some of the people that they know she stole the identity of are missing, and very well she may have killed them and they've just not been found mm. it's crazy that she you know she committed her first shoplifting well she got caught for her first shoplifting yeah at 33 you know that wasn't her first <laughs> no <laughs> not a chance no that's what i'm saying at 33 you know she had already pulled off plenty of successful heists probably yeah and i'm sure it had to do with her you know with her whole vibe you know like that's why she was able to swindle um Beverly earlier on was like, yeah. people wouldn't assume she was going to steal. Like when she walks into a right. fancy store she, looking the way she looked, she probably, no one was even watching her and she could exactly. just take whatever she wanted and, you know, lie about it if they said anything or. She looked wealthy. And yeah. a lot of times, especially when in America, she talked with a British accent, you know, you which made her one. seem more cultured. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We have more a stupid thing here about that. Mm -hmm. You want to trust people with a British accent more for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Because they, like I said, they seem more cultured. They seem more intelligent for whatever reasons. We just have that mm -hmm. stigma here in the U.S. about that type yeah. of thing. And she used that to her advantage. Yeah, I don't think it goes both ways, though. I think we go over there with our Amer American accent. And they're like, look at this wanker. Yeah, look at this idiot. <laughs> <laughs> look at this redneck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Watch some real football, dummy. Right. <laughs> Um, so they fear that women could have met the same fate as Beverly McGowan, these women that she'd stolen the identity, identity from and, are, right. and were missing. Um, Rena Crowningshield was the lead investigator in the case. Connected, uh, She would connect parent to McGowan's apartment uh, through dim traces of handwriting left on the notepad that were uh, found to be parents. Um, mm -hmm. And Crowningshield also found one of parents' aliases very much alive, and this would be a woman named Charlotte Cowan. And so this is a, a woman that, uh, Beverly had not Beverly, um, that lane, Elaine had stolen the identity right. of, it's a lot of names here in <laughs> this case, a lot of names. Yeah. it is easy to get confused. I hope you guys yeah. are following this. <laughs> right. So police of course go to see Charlotte Cowan, a person that mm -hmm. she had stolen the identity of, um, and from her home on Florida's West coast, Cowan said that she met parent about 10 years ago at a bar called faces in Orlando. I think that, uh, Elaine parent if that's what her real name was, was targeting uh, gay bars. Lesb she, I think she targeted lesbians because she was very uh, attractive and charismatic and mm -hmm. would you know, try to strike up a relationship with them, get them to trust her, and then take right. advantage of them. Whether she was actually bisexual or not, I don't know, or if she just viewed them as uh, you know, a good potential victim. Yeah, I think it, that was probably what it was. And the fact that she could most likely overpower them more easily yeah. if it did come to you know, murdering and disposing of the body and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she didn't seem to target men as victims. It was mm -hmm. it was entirely women. Right. Um, so Parent would impress Cowan with her fine clothes, British accent, and charisma. Um, she had straight, short red hair similar to Cowan's, according to Cowan. 
at the um, time. <laughs> and they began chatting. Before long, Parent asked Cowan about her birthday and said she was into numerology and wanted to profile Cowan. Sounds very similar to what happened with Beverly. Yes. Though Cowan had never heard of numerology, she agreed to hand over her driver's license number, birth date, and time of birth. Those Jeez. things seem kind of benign, not too, like, okay, driver's license. We show people our driver's license all the time. Not quite the same as handing over your passport and your social security card and things like that, but. Right, right. Yeah, those are a little more extreme. Yeah. Um, parent wrote it on a cocktail napkin and told her of a rosy future. See, that part's a little sketch. Like, why do you need to write down my shit? Yeah, right. Mean, to keep for yourself. <laughs> well, she's doing the equation, right? Because you have to like, you have to like do a little bit of math, I would think, with numerology. Yeah, you don't numerology, just get the right? numbers. Like, you got to like sure. lay them all out and map, see what the map says. I don't know. I don't know shit about numerology. Somebody's going to be like, you guys should have studied think, numerology before you no, did this episode. I, I don't want to study it. I think it's BS. <laughs> I think it's you can, this is coming from my ignorant and not knowing perspective here. But it, to me, yeah. it just is one of those things where. You can make whatever you want with it. Of course, if you take right. a bunch of fucking numbers, you can make it yeah. say whatever the hell you want to. You know, it's, it's like it the psychic me. shit. Like they just start throwing yeah. stuff out, and then people go, "My grandma died of that." I am yep. getting a feeling someone in here has recently had a family member pass of cancer. <gasps> My mom just—that's why you're there because you're trying <laughs> to grieve through some shit. Of course, right. you're gonna like. It's gonna be a room full of people that have just went through a traumatic experience going to these things. Exactly, and when you involve numbers, like you said, you can make them come out to whatever you want. The, the movie yes, uh, Twenty Three exactly. with Jim Carrey. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Well, I've seen just the movie, finds, but yeah. Well, you get the idea. He finds about, the yeah. number twenty three and everything, and he just starts yeah. getting super paranoid about it. Well, of course, we and we it's, ignore numbers that aren't significant to us, and then we, of course, focus on ones that are. Like when you look at the clock, my birthday's October seventeenth. Every time I look at the clock, it seems like it says ten seventeen, but it's like I look at it when it's ten thirty one, and I don't fucking even think about it at all. I just glance and go, oh, it's ten thirty one. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I feel you. Anyways, numerology's, bu numerology's bullshit. Um, <laughs> sorry if you're into it. That's my opinion. Right. Whatever yeah. you can. You can do whatever you want. You can believe it. whatever you want. And if you believe it yeah. enough, you can then leave it's a one star review you. if you want. You're entitled to that. That's yeah. maybe that's your numerology one. Yeah. We'll, we'll work that into our numerology outcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so parent divulged not, not too damn much about herself, according to Cowan shocker. Um, mm. she said that she'd been involved with a woman before who had hurt her bad. And a few days later, parent visited Cowan and her mother for lunch. Um, so she comes and visit with, uh, you know, her and her mom. Now she's probably trying to swindle her mom into out of some information as well. Right. Um, and she had fooled, uh, Cowan's mother as well. She said, even my mother thought she was a sophisticated person. My mom is no fool. Cowan didn't hear from Perrin again for some time. Shocker. So she got what she wanted. She got her identity yep. and her information and she, you know, In the disappeared wind. for a while before giving Cowan a phone call telling her that her aunt had died and that her brother was to, uh, and her were supposed to split the inheritance, but she said her brother had committed her to a hospital to keep her from the money. <laughs> <laughs> Elaborate. What a tale. Right? Yeah. If I was Cowan, I'd have been like, what hospital? I'll come see you. Yeah, right. <laughs> About a month later, Parent showed up at Cowan's home at 3 a.m. wearing a paste-on mustache and said that she was in disguise so she could escape from the hospital. <laughs> She's really going full-fledged with this thing, man. Ooh. Okay, you once you escape from the hospital, don't you take the mustache off? Because you look... Like, <laughs> she had to have looked <laughs> ridiculous in that mustache. Right? Once you get out the door, I don't think the hospital staff is searching for you anymore. I think you right. can... I think you can... Uh, yeah, like you say, you can take the mustache off. Right. But she was well, really sticking just, to this lie. Yeah, changed to a different looking female's uh, identity instead of a female with a mustache. I don't yeah, know. 
Although she must be somewhat convincing of a male when she dresses that way, because maybe, maybe she, she had that ten. Bu- maybe she, maybe she had that Ted Bundy uh, face where it was kind of like you know sharp features and like different lighting, a two face yeah. as Seinfeld would put it. There's another Seinfeld reference for you. Yeah. Depending on the lighting, she looked like either a man or a woman. Who knows? Right, right. <laughs> you just throw a mustache know. on. All of a sudden, she looks like Brad Pitt or something. I don't know. Right. Who knows? I mean, she yeah. obviously convinced some people because people at the rental place argued. That she could yeah. have been a man, and same thing at the airport. So yeah. she she pulled off a convincing man in in some way. Yeah. So uh, upon spilling this story onto Cowan, um, she cried and begged Cowan for her birth certificate so she could get use it to get identification to hide from her brother. Wow. And Cowan actually gave it to her, which at this point I'm just like, come on, man. Damn it, Cowan. You had to have known deep down, like. I'm handing this, this to you, like and I, I know this is probably a bad idea. Right. But here you go. You know, we've been there in life, right? Where you're just like, this is probably dumb. Um, but uh, yeah. I bought a car from the sketchiest dude on Craigslist once, and I was just like, this is going to go badly. And sure enough, it did. It I did. couldn't get it fucking registered because the title had all sorts of issues. Yeah. Thankfully, Cars for Kids took it off my hands and gave me a tax write off for it. So whatever. Well, there you go. But as I was handing him the money, I was like, this is probably dumb. <laughs> And it was. Lesson learned. Listen to Lesson your spidey learned. senses, dude. Mm-hmm. My cousin made a trade for a for a car one time. He had he had a car that he had been worked on. He got everything fixed on it. It was a nice, it was a Honda Accord, you know, pretty basic car. But for some reason yeah. he wanted a freaking like lifted truck. And he traded for this truck that was like lifted on 35s. And on his way home, the brakes go out and he's in a ditch. <laughs> fucking totals it on the way home. He hasn't even registered it yet. And I'm like that's when you knew that was a bad fucking decision (laughs) yeah oh my god that's awesome all right um so a few weeks later parent mailed back cowan the birth certificate along with an apology for taking so long um and cowan would never hear from her again um and she says quote to be honest i have never forgotten this woman there's something about her she's definitely a good looking woman so still leaving a positive impression on a person who stole her identity and could have very well killed her. I mean, now looking back, she right. must know, knowing what she is, having killed well, other people, like I could have easily been I, a murder victim. Right. Well, I think when you're interviewed after the fact, you're trying to explain why you fell for it. Right? Why you did so some you, dumb things, like handing right. over your identity to a murderer. Exactly. Yeah. So you're more willing to to uh, flatter the, yeah. the criminal in this sense. It, she's because, probably saying, you had to be there, dude. You would have given yeah, her your shit, listen, too. She's yeah, that she's charismatic beautiful. and that good she's looking. Char- right? Yeah. And she's British. I mean, come yeah. on. Like, I'd almost be okay with her murdering me. That's how amazing she is. (laughs) That's how how amazing she was. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, In an attempt to snag Parent for questioning, the State Department had filed passport and fraud charges against her, but Parent hadn't been seen since she was arrested in North Miami in 1991. Of course, she's not going to be seen under her own identity, though. I mean, she's out there. She's just using some other people's shit. Yeah. And you don't know who it is until it's too late, and she's on to the next one. You're always a step behind. You're like, catch me if you can. Yep. Um, Yep. Cowan would say as well, if she finds the right person, she'll get whatever she wants. And back in London, it was learned that Parent had a a former lover, a female senior executive at a blue chip company. And although detectives would not discover this for another five years, the couple had lived together for several years until Parent's mood swings and demands for money split them up. Parent had even tried to blackmail her lover. Um, And this, uh, you know, she would manage to persuade her former lover to take her in again. And as the police searched in vain, their quarry was living comfortably in a small, a smart house in uh, southwest London. 
And when the relationship founder, uh, founder floundered again, parents' actions became more extraordinary. She would kidnap her former lover's dogs, taking them to America and attempting to hold them ransom. Jesus. She also sent the woman death threats. You know how expensive so they find it out about all this to fly with on. those dogs. I know, right? That's, that's <laughs> you so flew the up. dogs back to America to hold them ransom. Don't yeah. you have a better shot at getting what you want by still being in the country with the person? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand this move. Yeah, I don't get this. Um, Maybe she was just that angry. Yeah. So later, parent would be arrested in Miami Beach in possession of documents that showed her to have three separate identities. However, remarkably, remarkably, police uh, failed to run her name through the computer and released her on bail, not I don't knowing get that this, she dude. was the main suspect in a murder, vic- uh, in a murder uh, and also many other uh, fraud crimes and things like but that. Also, when they pulled her over at this point, when they found her, she was in a basically a stolen rental car that was way overdue, yeah. right? I don't understand. Okay, so you got, you got a stolen rental car. You got a woman with multiple IDs. Three different identities. Yeah. Three different identities. And you take yeah. her in and you can't hold her. I'm like, at very least, like Grand Theft Auto, right? Can't you hold her right. for that? For a right. little bit of time, like you don't at least fingerprint her. Like this is this is that one instance where the killer just gets stupid lucky. It's like almost oh, every yeah. serial killer we've covered, they get yeah. stupid lucky at one point yeah. in time. Randy Kraft had that instance where he got pulled over and nothing happened. You know, uh, and what's amazing, so this is other. in Florida. It's not like it was in some other country where they just don't, you know, they weren't communicating as well. They weren't told right. to be on the lookout for her. This is in Miami Beach. This is where she, this was her main Where residence. she's wanted for murder. Yes. Right. Where she shows up the most. Yeah. Mind blowing. Unbelievable. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand this. This is kind of inexcusable in my opinion. But, yeah. you know, a beautiful woman, maybe she charmed the hell out of them and got, got out. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know how do you explain having three different IDs though. Yeah. I don't get it. So she's on the lam again. Uh, they, they realize they fucked up. And this is where she becomes known as the chameleon killer. Now she's getting off on this chase, mm-hmm. this, you know, this whole situation. And she sends authorities in, in America an oil painting of herself uh, in a one-piece bikini with on, on the back written, your chameleon, best wishes, and her signature. Yeah. Wow. Well, I don't think it can be one piece and a bikini, but a one-piece bathing suit, right? Bathing suit, whatever. Oh, is that what? Yeah. yeah okay. Because bikini, like. Did you uh, see the oil painting? The picture of it. Yeah. 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 I did. It's it's not bad. It's yeah. not bad. It's not the most flattering picture. I wonder of her, if she though. did it or if someone else painted her. You know. Hmm. That's a good question. That's a good question. She probably did it, being as narcissistic as she is. I could see her uh, charming some woman who is a good painter into doing the painting for her and and promising and to pay then, her and then taking her own money and paying her with her it, maybe not even doing that just stealing the painting <laughs> just stealing the painting and mailing it yeah yeah yeah, yeah I um, don't know. So, so at this point when she's on the run she's just all over the place um investigations showed that she next surfaced in new mexico running a restaurant then she was working as a store clerk in sears in tennessee and was rumored to be spotted in france turkey australia and south america uh, south africa I mean, that's possible because I know she did pose as a South African person yeah, uh, a couple times. And yeah. the South African accent, you know, to an untrained ear is not that different from English, honestly. Yeah. It's very yeah. similar. So yeah. you could easily get away with that in America. Yeah. For sure. 
1992, even as the Florida police sought her in connection with Beverly's murder, she, under another identity, filed a civil ne negligence suit against the state after she slipped and injured herself in a restaurant. The audacity. <laughs> <laughs> She's suing the state that's looking for her for murder. And wins. Through the police. <laughs> she won. She this was awarded America. damages um, and then disappeared in again uh, in 1994. Um, Dr. Barbara Kerwin God. is a leading forensic psychologist who prof profiled parents several months before her death. She said, quote, she is driven by her own psychological demons. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe she steals identities compulsively to fill up the emptiness of her own personality. She also believed that parent feared and needed the police manhunt. Uh, uh wow. she, she needed the, the manhunt, but also feared it. Quote, yeah. the, pa the oil painting is very the theatrical. I believe she sent it to law enforcement as a way of thumbing her nose at them, of sort of teasing them by saying, I'm alive, I'm well, look out for me, but you'll never find me. Yeah, absolutely, she did. And yeah. and she did that right after she got away with being arrested with the, all the IDs. I mean, imagine how much that bolstered her confidence. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it makes sense that she would do something this brazen right after that. Yeah. You know, she's feeling confident as hell. She's feeling like she ain't getting caught. Yeah. However, she does get caught. She gets caught up too. Um, uh, Florida police would catch up with parent finally in Panama City, Florida on April 6, 2002, after they received a tip that the suspect was back in Florida under yet another assumed identity. And following this lead, they would go to an apartment in Panama City in the state's panhandle. And they weren't they weren't positive that this was the person. They'd had so many close calls looking for her and things like that. They just knew there was a woman inside the apartment. They wanted to talk to her in connection with this, you know, crime spree or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she was not coming to the door. She's saying, I'm going to get changed. And while they uh, waited outside the bedroom, uh, one officer became suspicious and knocked on the door when the, and uh, he then heard a gunshot. And when they entered the room, they had found Elaine Parent uh, dead of a gunshot wound to the heart. She had taken her own life and you know yeah she she was going to go out on her own terms man the chase she was wasn't. over yeah they weren't going to she was not going to give them the satisfaction of bringing her in nope. you know she nope. wins in the end in her mind I, I i read in uh in one article that the police uh gained entry into her house under the ruse of that they were investigating another crime in the neighborhood mm -hmm. and she was like um so they were like can we just wait inside because she said, I need to go and get changed. Yeah. You know, and then, then I'll talk to you. And they're like, well, can we wait inside? And then I guess she was smart enough. She figured it out. She she wasn't buying the bullshit. She was like, yeah. why'd you come talk to me of all, all people? Right. I think she knew her. She knew the gig was up. Her time was up. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, of course, there's been concerns that in her time on the run, she's likely to have committed other, other murders. Um, you know, Sylvia Hodgkinson was one uh, woman that she'd stolen the identity of that's never been located um and it's mm. believed she she most likely murdered sylvia right um that was the woman that connect they connected through the, the pad writings and things like that she'd been communicating with this missing person yeah um, some investigators have even questioned if Aline parent was her actual given name as you mentioned earlier since no birth yeah. certificate for her has ever been found who knows yeah wow um Beverly McGowan's murder and the search for Elaine Parent were profiled on, on Unsolved Mysteries and America's Most Wanted. In 2003, BBC did a special documentary on Parent's criminal career entitled The World's Most Wanted Woman. Um, mm -hmm. Some of this stuff is what we use to study this case. It's in the yes. show notes below. Right. Um, but yeah, what a yeah. 
What a fascinating not- character this was. It's it, it almost makes you wish we had more information. You know, like she was too elusive. Yes, she was. You get almost nothing about her background, her childhood, none of that. Like, what the hell turned her into what she was? See, we don't know. And there's only a very limited number of pictures of her as well. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you can see pictures of the oil painting and, and whatnot, and there are... And even these pictures, you know, pictures. you have to wonder, was she in disguise at the time? You know? Uh, exactly. <laughs> we don't know what she looked like. Like like you said, yeah. she had one of those faces. Like, sometimes you, you see a picture and you're like, wow, yeah, she was a very attractive woman. I, I see how... She yeah. could have charmed the hell out of people and, and gotten away. And then others, I'm like, oh, okay. Now I can see how people would think she was a man. Like yeah. she, de- like you say, she definitely had she had the Bundy thing going on. She she was a, a chameleon in every sense of the word. Even though she gave yeah. that name to herself, which I kind I hate calling killers stuff when they give themselves the name, but it is what it is. Right. It's like you say. I guess I guess she earned it being that elusive. And like I say, especially in such a more a more modern time, it's like a lot of the con people and and heists and crooks and stuff that we've covered, um, you know, were taking place sixties, seventies. But to to be able to run these schemes up through the nineties and early two thousands, uh, it's it's quite impressive. I think if she's a man, she just doesn't get away with it this long. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying. looking. I'm looking I at the like photos. No I'm looking at the very few photos we have, and yeah. it's interesting. The sketch that the police did of the man that had gone into the uh, travel agency, the dark yeah. hair with the dark hair and the glasses. It yeah. actually, you can see how it looks like her because the nose is identical nose. to her nose. The real yes. picture of her, and you look at that, and you're like, okay, kind of a squarish face with a, a long, skinny nose. It, mm-hmm. You could see if she puts on a long, dark wig and some glasses, like some yeah. like men-looking glasses. That's that's her. Absolutely. A little mustache. She looks just like Weird Al. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. Right on. Right on. All right. Well, if you want to change your identity, there's so many different yeah. scents of Oh My Gaia that you you know, you know can help kind of confuse people. <laughs> you can change your scent identity. Yes. Right? And you can... <laughs> well, guys, Oh My Gaia is an innovative, all-natural deodorant fragrance and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. And their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while still maintaining effectiveness. And like Lauren alluded to, there are tons of scents to choose from from Oh My Gaia, with new scents being added all the time. Like vanilla, cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside, bergamot amber, uh, there's sweet pea, sailor, barbershop, and of course our very own scent, uh, true crime pine. You guys can check all those out at ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com. And because you're True Crime Guys listeners, you can get 15% off your order. That's 15% off your order by using the word creeper, C-R-E-E-P-E-R, at ohmygaia.com or at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram. And again, that's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com. Use code word creeper for 15% off. Use code word creeper as well for our other weekly sponsor, Tonic CBD. Uh, It's true. Not all CBD products are created equal from how it's processed and grown to how it's formulated and delivered into your body. Every step of the process that goes into it makes the product uh, your your experience with it. Um, That's why Tonic's products really stand out. Uh, They created their own original formulas using CBD, adaptogens, herbs, and superfoods back in 2017 and have been working ever since to deliver the most effective, intentional, and sustainable products possible. They cultivate their own hemp on on their certified organic family farm in upstate New York. 
That hemp travels only 30 minutes to their state-of-the-art manufacturing and distribution facility where it's turned into a finished product and sent to you, ensuring only the highest quality vibes at every stage of the process. They have a bunch of different blends depending on your needs, uh, where they they mix in uh, you know things like uh, black seed oil, ashwagandha, lemon balm, passion flower, things that can help you relax before bed. Um, or they have blends for daytime, you know, they, whatever you need, they have vape pens, they have, uh, pre-rolls, whatever it is that, uh, is your jam as far as, you know, getting that CBD into your body, they have it available to you. And it's easy to verify the quality of their products. They have a microchip on the top of the packaging that allows you to tap your phone on it and reveal third-party lab reports, product information, details about their farm. That CBD you get at the gas station is not going to you're not going to know where that came from. It's not going to want you to know where that came from. No. Um, CBD is very transparent in how their product is manufactured and created and got and shipped to you. Um, right. That's rare with a lot of CBD companies. So with values rooted in quality, integrity, and sustainability, Tonic is committed to creating plant-based wellness products that are good for you, good for the planet. Visit tonicvibes.com and learn more using code word creeper to get 20% off your order. That's tonicvibes.com, code word creeper. Yeah, you can also get more information uh, at Tonic CBD on Instagram as well, and get to yep. know the owner of Tonic, uh, Brittany Carbone. Get to know mm -hmm. her a little bit, a little bit better, and all that she's involved in as far as the CBD and cannabis industries. Yeah, check out their stories on their Instagram page. You can yes. see their farm; it's beautiful. Um, it is. Yeah, like I said, most most CBD companies are gonna they're gonna outsource or whatever they're gonna. Who knows where they're getting their CBD from? Yes, there's just no jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah, there's no hiding where this is coming from. You can see the process from the farm where all of the uh, hemp's being grown to you can actually see them trimming the buds in their factory. You can right. see the whole process from start to finish, which is pretty rare. So check it out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And guys, also check out Patreon. Patreon.com slash true crime guys. Um, for just five bucks a month, you guys can get access to everything that we create um on there as well as every true crime guys patreon exclusive all of our vault episodes um just the banter which we're going to record after this uh which we do every friday uh as well as lauren's five minute murder uh strange shorts with myself and andy who will be on jtb this week um, also sandu stories so there is a ton of stuff on patreon right now if you've never been a patron of true crime guys oh my god you are going to be buried in content there are so many so many audio files on there that have never seen the free platforms. Yep. So again, that's patreon.com slash true crime guys. Go check that out. Um, also check us out on YouTube, right, Lauren? Come that's subscribe. Right. Subscribe. Uh -huh. Subscribe. Uh, support that channel as well. If you like the show and you haven't checked out the video form yet, um, you can see what we look like. You can see what we're talking about during the episode instead of yes. Google searching the killer on your phone or whatever, it's all done for you. All you got to do right. is sit back and relax. Michael's wife, Kristen, does all that work for you, getting all That's the right. images and all of that and putting them in front of your face. So yeah, it's yep. definitely a photos different experience of, that I recommend. Absolutely. Photos of the killer, photos of the victims, uh, their yep. families, crime scenes, anything that we can find um, related to the case and what we're talking about yep. will be shown on the screen with more information. So again, check that out. YouTube, the official True Crime Guys channel. Uh, go give us a follow. We haven't been on YouTube very long. We're trying to reach a thousand subscribers. We are very close, very close. Yep. It's over over nine hundred now. So go help us out, guys. Go hit that subscribe button. And maybe uh, we should yeah, give something away for the thousand subscriber. When we hit a thousand, so. I think we should give something away. I got not some to patches. the thousand subscriber, but like give something away to any random subscriber. You know. Oh, okay. At that point. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I got some. I got some uh, exclusive true crime guys patches still. 
I got yeah. a few left how about over. We, how about we pick a, one random person who's left a comment on one of our videos once we hit a thousand? We'll pick a okay. random person who left a comment. All right. And we'll Sounds give them good. some. What'd you say you wanted to give them a patch? Yeah, I got some. I got some, give them a couple patches. I still give got them a couple a patch of kit. Give them one of our, each of our patches. We got some Hush Your Mouth Boy patches left over. Uh, and we got a couple Colt Chip patches. Not a whole nice. lot of either, but we do have a few. So that would be. I'll cool send them a sticker pack too. We can send there you, you one of each of our stickers that we have. There we go. So. All right, guys. All right, guys. That about does it. I think, uh, is it Patreon next week? Feels like it yes. should be. Yeah, it yeah? definitely should be. All right. Well, there you go. No, no better time to sign up for Patreon than now because next week you don't get an episode unless you're on there. So That's right. Otherwise, we'll see you in two weeks. Free Lotus. Keep creeping. Keep creeping, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder, get murder, get murder. True crime, true crime, crime. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder charming. From the minds of true crime guys, come TCG Weekly. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to check out all the other programs on the TCG network. Every Wednesday, a new episode of True Crime Guys proper, Strange and Unexplained on Mondays, and Full House Fantasy Football on Fridays to start your weekend. If those aren't enough, head on over to our Patreon account, where you can have access to hundreds of hours of content, including older episodes and other Patreon exclusives like Strange Shorts, Sandu Stories, Higher Thoughts, and the 5-Minute Murder Show. But until next time, guys, keep creeping. How do you shut this thing off? Over? Oh,